0: Amen. Well, as we said already, um, things are a little bit different this morning, and so what we're going to do is uh, I'm just going to share kind of a quick little devotion, um, and then we'll see what, if any, questions were asked or submitted, and then we'll go into that. So, um, you will be getting, or have gotten, or will be getting soon, uh, a notification from our app um, that will kind of be the way that you're going to ask the question. So I just got mine. I don't know if anybody else got theirs or not. But um, when you click on that, um, it should take you right into the app. And then it'll have the, the actual format that you're going to ask the question. If you, if you tip, tap on the notification, it takes you right in. If you're not doing it that way, uh, if you go into your app, and it's up on the screen there as well, up on our screen, uh, you'll see at uh, that top right-hand corner... Click on that. Um, I think this is TJ. Look at TJ and Danielle. Look at their little profile picture. It's so cute. Okay, so click on that first kind of notification there, and then you'll see the other screen you'll come to. Um, should stay at the very top. If you could have coffee with God, what would you want to talk with him about? And then you type in that box underneath there what your question would be. What's something you would want to talk to him about? Now, what's going to happen is those will go directly to TJ. He will then kind of screen those, look at those, um, and then he'll put them up on the screen for us in a little bit While I'll be able to actually see what the question is and go from there. Okay, At least I think that's how it's going to work. Pray for us. First time we've ever done this. Um, I will give a couple things before we even get into my de- quick little devotion. And again, the devotion is to kind of set the stage in a general wrap-up of this series, but also to as well give you time to do this. Um, so one thing I do want to say is if a question is asked... Um, that is a good question, it has, has a need to be talked about, um, but in this format, we are in a group of obviously mixed men and women. so there may be a question that is a good question and, and it really is on your heart and mind. but it might be a question that 's better suited for one on one conversation. Is this making sense? Um, so if a question comes through that maybe isn 't great for mixed company and you see that question not come up, or we don't talk about that question, it's not because we just ignored it. Um, we purposely put that aside. And we don't know who's submitting what questions. We're not going to know that per se. And so if you have a question like that, obviously, number one, if you're a younger person here today, because uh, our teens are in here with us, uh, if you are a younger person, I encourage you, if you're parent's, are obviously followers of Christ and involved in your life, go talk to them about that first. That's where I would send you first, honestly. Second, if you're a young person, I would say speak to Pastor Greg or one of the youth leaders or myself. Um, That's kind of the hierarchy that I would encourage. I I really would love you to go to your your mom or your dad or your grandma or grandpa, somebody that you trust spiritually that would give you God's word, and ask them directly, hey, what do you think about this? And then move out from there into more spiritual leaders in your life. Um, And again, but if you're somebody older, maybe that has a question that's not great for mixed company, um, let's talk. We can talk one-on-one. That's totally fine. That's totally doable. So also, I forgot to announce the bonfire tonight. So some of you were like, are we doing that? So this has nothing to do with the message, nothing to do with asking questions, just me being forgetful. Um, Tonight, we are still scheduling to have our bonfire. Uh, However, there is a chance of rain. So if we have rain, we're still having church. Okay. So we're still going to come in and have church and have a service. It'll probably be a much shorter service than normal because we're going to do kind of what we're going to do outside for devotion. But if we don't have the bonfire, that's what we're going to do. If it gets rained out, our goal is to just push it back one week. So next Sunday night would be the bonfire if we don't have it tonight. And you might say, well, when are we going to know when we show up at six o'clock? Oh, it's raining. Let's go in and have church. Um, and I'm not saying any of you would want a heads up ahead of time to know whether or not you're going to still go. I'm not saying anyone would do that. Obviously we would all just want to be here, but, um, just to help you to be a blessing to others. We're just going to wait and do it when we get here. All right. So hopefully you guys are getting some questions submitted, putting some things in there. Great. We'll come to that in a few minutes. Real quick. I want to go to Acts chapter 26. So Acts chapter 26. I should say, too, uh, some people might be tempted to ask goofy questions. Um, Again, I'm not saying anyone here would do that. Vic. Um, You know, or like whatever. And there's somebody maybe serving in nursery right now, the name Wesley Proctor, who might be trying to do this, too. But um, that's fine. We'll just see how it goes. But Acts 26. I want to read a few verses this morning. Um, And I want to focus on something the Apostle Paul does here when talking about faith um it, it, this whole series really one of the main driving forces of this series in my heart and mind is that it will help us to grow in our faith in the lord but also our faith in his word to to come to a point to understand that it's okay and we talked about this a couple times over the series it's very much okay to ask questions if you are maybe grown up or you have a past where you grew up in in an environment where questions were frowned upon you were discouraged maybe you were even like told you know more or less, shut up, don't worry about it, get in the car, go to church, um, then for you, you might think either the Bible doesn't have answers or Christianity doesn't have answers, and you've tried to look somewhere else for those answers. I, as we said during deconstructing, that whole type of our, time of our series, there's going to be answers to the question that we don't like that doesn't mean it's still not a valid answer. Okay, There's going to be answers to the questions that our culture doesn't accept, that doesn't negate the truth of the answer. So asking the question is great, but we must be willing to hear the answer. It's also okay to realize maybe who you ask, the opinion or the idea of the answer might change slightly because it's more of a kind of an educated guess on that area, or the Bible isn't 100% specifically clear, black, white, as we talked about. So maybe for you, you're like, well, so-and-so says it's thinking this, and -and so-and-so says it's this. Then we can easily say, okay, then, then we'll just pray about it and ask for wisdom and guidance on that. So again, questions are good, but what's the point of asking the question? What's the point of this whole series? To grow in our faith. But what faith? Faith in what? Faith in who? And so look at Acts chapter 26, verse 24. I'm going to read a few verses, talk a little bit about it, and then we'll open it up. And uh, Pastor Greg will join me when we're answering questions, and so he'll get all the tough ones. So Acts 26, look at verse 24. Paul speaking here, and he thus spoke for himself. Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself. Much learning doth make thee mad. So the accusation is, Paul, you're so Learned, you, You've studied so much. You've been so scholarly. It's actually drove you crazy. It's this idea that you've studied too much. You've lost your mind is the accusation. Because of the things, and I encourage you to read all of 26, but because of the things that Paul was saying. Verse 25. But he said, I'm not mad, most noble Festus, which again, anyone having children, I know we've got a couple expecting moms in the church. Festus, not a bad name. Um, Brings great things to the mind. Festus. Okay. It says in verse 25, but speak forth the words of truth and soberness. So the acquisition is, Paul, you're crazy. You've learned too much. You're, you're just, you've filled your mind with all this. You're just crazy. And he says, no, 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 I'm not crazy. I'm speaking truth and I'm being sober in mind. Now sober, we think the opposite, the opposite end of alcohol, right? Like I'm not drunk, I'm sober. But sober doesn't just mean that in that context. It generally just means right thinking, you can think rightly or clearly about a subject because you're sober thinking. Nothing is, is polluting or nothing is influencing you to think wrongly. So Paul goes on to say this. He says, I'm, I'm actually in a great state of mind. Verse 26. For the king, this being King Agrippa, for the king knows of these things before whom also I speak freely. So King Agrippa is there and Festus is there. And he almost like looks over. I can imagine him looking over at King Agrippa like, well, he knows what I'm talking about, being Jewish. He, he knows these things. Goes on to say this, for I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him. So he's kind of bringing Agrippa into the conversation. He was talking to Festus. Festus says, you're crazy. He's like, no, no, no. He knows what I'm talking about. Goes on to say, he, he understands. For this thing was done or was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. Can you just hear Paul's, like, persona here? And I love what he says there. Did Jesus Christ die quietly and secretly? No, he was hung on on a cross for all the world to see. And so that's what Paul's saying. This stuff wasn't kept private. It was public. And King Agrippa, you believe the prophets of the Old Testament, don't you? I know you believe. Listen to what Agrippa says. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And Paul said, I would to God that not only thou, but also all that hear me this day were both almost and altogether such as I am, except these bonds, meaning his literal chains that he's in. And when he had thus spoken, the king rose up and the governor and Bernice and they that sat with him. And when they were gone aside, they talked between themselves saying, this man does nothing worthy of death or of bonds. Then said Agrippa unto Festus, this man might have been set at liberty if he had not appealed to Caesar. So basically, as a Roman citizen, he has to go through these levels of trials. But because he says, take me to Caesar, they can't let him go. They have to take him to Caesar. But notice they even conclude he's really not done anything criminally wrong that would cause him to be led to this point for death or for chains. He will die a martyr's death. He will lose his life. Uh, talks about that later, that he's going to go outside of the city of Rome and and be beheaded. But I want to focus in on what was the point of Paul's words here? We talk about faith in our culture today. Faith is talked about quite heavily. We live in a day and age where everyone talks about having faith, believe, right? But it's almost as though it's just having faith to have faith. It's just believing to believe. It's this kind of feel-good, spiritual-sounding No substance, empty, kind of just emotion. Just have faith to have faith. Faith in what? Faith in who? Faith in myself? That's not a good idea. I've let myself down more than anyone else in my life ever has. So notice Paul's words here. Why did he ask, King Agrippa, you believe in the prophets, don't you? I know you believe. Because Paul was preparing. And if he, Agrippa would have said, yeah, tell me more about this, Paul would have begun to articulate from the Old Testament all the fulfilled prophecies that Christ fulfilled in his life, death, burial, and resurrection. But notice Agrippa caught on, you know, as he figured it out. Other translations word it differently. It's almost like there's a little snarkiness to King Agrippa. Like, well, you think you're going to make me a Christian? Paul didn't say, hey, Agrippa, just have faith. You know, hey, Agrippa, if you believe in anything, you're fine. That's great. No, 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 no. He was very specific. And he said, I would that everyone who hears me not only almost becomes a believer, but is a believer and is just like me, not in chains, but in a relationship with Christ. And so to me, I want to encourage us this morning that the reason that we study the word, the reason that we go to church, the reason that we grow in our relationship with Christ is to grow in faith, not just for the sake of faith but to grow in the faith in Christ and the faith in his word. Why? Because difficult things happen in this life. Tragic things happen in this life. We covered this a while ago. Why? Because we live in a fallen world because of sin, Genesis 3. And so when those things come, we can either blame God and get mad at God or realize, no, God, I need you to get through this. And isn't it amazing how he comforts us? And he's there with us. And people will ask, how did God get you through that? And you look at him with this look on your face, almost like, I can't put it into words. He just carried me. He, he just kept me. And we sit back and what is the result of that? We say, praise God. Praise God. So, so it's not having faith to have faith. And this is terminology we hear today. Almost a believe in anything is better than believing in nothing. No, no, no. Believing in Christ is what we're called to believe right? The invitation is to all, whosoever will come. It's a general call. Whosoever will come can come. But those who receive Christ are now, Romans 8, the sons and daughters of God, given the spirit of God, and nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Why? Because of faith. Not in me, not in other people, not in a denomination, but in a person and in the finished work of Christ. That's where our faith is found. And so why do we do all this? Why have all these talks about what the Bible says about this or that? Because the biggest weapon against our faith in our culture today can be the assumption that the Bible either doesn't speak to it or there's no answer in Christianity and I need something else. Well, that's, that's false. The Bible is sufficient. And praise God, it is available to us. But not only is the Bible sufficient, his grace is sufficient. So when I don't know, and I can't put it into words, and I can't find the passage, and I'm just not sure, we sit back and we say, man, I thank him for his grace, because the things I do know guarantee me of my salvation in Christ. There's things I don't know. Guys, by the way, the longer you study the Bible, the more questions you're going to have. It's just just real. You might know the surface answer, but you're going to be like, but I don't really, I don't know if I get that fully. Well, you may not ever get that. And as I said before, like last week, if we have questions that are asked that I I don't know. I'm just going to tell you. I don't know. But I'll seek God's word and we'll see if we can come up with an answer. So, at this time, do we have some questions that have been submitted? Awesome. I'm going to have Pastor Greg join me on stage here. Now, I will say this. Remember the first week I said, that's God's chair? That's God's chair? Don't let that go to your head, Greg. It was just figurative, okay? His chair is higher than mine, though, so... That's because his degree on his wall. If you ever go in his office, his degree from Liberty University. Um, wow, actually, that makes you a lot taller. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> his degree uh, framed is actually you know much bigger. Prominent. Well, the paper is too. Yeah. too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's like, yeah, my degree's better. So that's fine. And you went to. I just went to a college. You went to Liberty uh, to a university. So. Yeah, so. All right. So we're gonna see how this goes. And so bear with us. Am I gonna see those up on the screen there? Go ahead and let's get the first one.
1: Oh, I'm off the first one.
0: <laughs> because you're not married? There you go. Yeah. Hey, you have this. That'll I give do. me the answer. I do. Yeah. Alright, so um that was great. He's like, <laughs> free. Good. Uh how do you help your spouse be a better leader in your home? Um there's a lot to that question. Um Do you want to start and I'll finish, or do you want me to start and you finish? You start with your
1: personal experience,
0: yeah. Well, I find Sandra's a great leader, so I don't know. I mean, I feel like she's done a great job. I can't really complain. No, um, I think there's so many things to this question, so I'll try to give a quick summary answer. Um, First and foremost, um, many of you either have experienced or you know someone who's experienced uh, homes where both husband and wife are not followers of Christ. Uh, maybe the wife is saved and the husband's not, or the husband's saved and the wife is not. Right there, um, it's going to be an uphill battle, if we're just being honest. Um, because the Bible sets up that the ideal situation, which we understand life is not ideal, is for both to be believers. So right there, if, if a spouse is not saved, then the saved spouse, the one that knows Christ, um, the best way to encourage Christ-like leadership is to be praying for that spouse, to love on that spouse, to encourage them to continue yourself to be faithful in the Word of God, continue to be committed to the Word of God, um, and so that that way your example, not that you're perfect, don't ever carry the weight of perfection, but that your example will shine a light into their life. Paul speaks to this. First um, Corinthians 7 speaks about this idea some, um, the idea of marriage, uh, you know, Christian with a Christian a non-Christian with a Christian, those kind of situations. Um, but if they're both believers, um, I think really, honestly, it's just encouraging um, the spouse to take ownership. And in biblically thinking here, usually we would say the husband is the leader in the home. That does not mean that moms can't lead. Um, but biblically, the husband is to take the brunt of that responsibility to lead as the spiritual leader in the home. And so that's, again, just loving and encouraging, nagging, nitpicking, um, being bitter, those will not produce positive outcomes um, in a husband or a wife. Um, if you nag your spouse and you complain constantly, you don't think positive about them, you don't speak Christ-like things about them, don't expect Christ-like behavior from them because it's just going to fuel that, that negative fruit.
1: Yeah, well, Ephesians talks about, it basically equates that relationship with Christ in the church. And so just like you're talking about, there's no bitterness, anything like that, any of those negative feelings. When you look at the relationship of Christ with the church, it's, it's love going both directions. And n- none of those aspects that you brought up are, are evident there. At least it shouldn't be. Obviously, coming from Christ's perspective towards us, those are never going to be there. Sometimes, you know, we mess up and we may feel bitter towards God and things like that. But the ideal situation, that's not how it's supposed to be. And so that's Ephesians 5 talking about that, of really just equating that relationship to the church's relationship with God and with Christ. And how uh, really, like you said, encouraging, coming alongside, and uh, really just, I think, obviously, the ultimate, you know, source of being able to stick to that is spending time together in the word, spending time together in prayer. Um, Yeah, can't really go wrong with that.
0: Amen. Awesome.
1: Next one. Greg? Uh, well, I think, <laughs> right off the top of my head, uh, I think a lot of times we get distracted. Mm. Right? We, we get caught off guard um, with everything that's going on around us. And nowadays, specifically in our culture, we have so many different sources of all these different distractions coming, whether it's social media, actual people that we spend time with, um, whatever it might be. And then there's stresses that come up in life financially. Uh, there's all different kinds of things that can kind of get us off track. And really, I think that's, that's really all it is. We Just like Peter, right? When he was walking on the water, he took his eyes and his focus off of God, off of Christ. When we take our focus off of Christ and we start looking at the other things around us, they start to seem so big and so insurmountable that we don't know how we're going to be able to deal with these things. They seem like such a big problem for us. And that's not to minimize you know, feeling that this is this is something huge that I'm dealing with, this is something I'm really struggling with, that's not to minimize any of that. But if we're full, fully focused on that, then we're distracted away from the truth that we know about God, the truth that we know about Christ, that he's bigger than anything, that he can guide us through, that he has a plan, that uh, his plan is better than our plan. And really just, I, I, I think... That's the main thing, like I said, that comes to mind right away, is just that we, we get distracted. We get caught up in the things around us and lose focus on the truth and the reality of how big God is, mm-hmm. how powerful he is, and really just that that true help that we have in the Holy Spirit. Um, again, just with the last question, if we're focused on his word, if we're spending time in prayer, yes, those things can come along. Yes, those things can kind of stress us out, freak us out, but I don't think... It, it, it shouldn't be able to get to that, you know, that end of, of really struggling with something and really thinking that this is bigger than something that I can overcome. Hmm.
0: That's good. Uh, two verses come to mind, um, and I agree with what Greg just said wholeheartedly. Um, and I think uh, John 14 comes to mind right away. Um, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And then fourteen twenty seven. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. That word troubled means anxious. Um, So an encouragement from Christ to the disciples. You're going to go through tough times. You're going to be tempted to be anxious about these things or feel worked up about these things. Calm down, realize I've given you peace. And that peace in John 14, 27 comes from the Holy Spirit, as Greg was alluding to, when we focus on that relationship. Um, The other passage that comes to mind, Philippians 4 um, says here, talking about prayer, Uh, right after talking about rejoicing in the Lord always, so again, there's that encouragement to always rejoice, uh, verse 6, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. So that word careful is another word for anxiety, be anxious for nothing. And so um, I will add a little bit on the end of this as far as um, when we use words like depression and anxiety. For the most part, I think we're using it in a very casual day-to-day type sense. I don't think many people use that in a clinical sense. Um, So what I will say is if you are here and you feel like you're battling with depression, not just what we're talking about, which is more of that everyday stuff, um, if it's something that's really a weight on you, that you're finding yourself, it's hard to get out of bed, it's hard to get going in the day. Um, There is absolutely zero wrong with speaking to someone in the medical field, speaking to a, a, a friend, getting some help beyond just yourself. We all need help. That's key. So yes, start with your own personal spiritual life. Are you focused on that thing more than you walk with the Lord? But remember, again, just because we're believers doesn't mean we're exempt from feeling things that people in the world feel. We're still in this flesh. So there are levels to this that I want to encourage you. Most of us can get by uh, just refocusing. But if you feel that you're at a different level with this area, please talk to someone. Don't just think, I'll be fine. I can get through it. If it's something that's weighing on you, talk to someone. All right? Next one. Why did you put the tree in the Garden of Eden if you knew it would be our downfall to begin with? I feel like I should say Greg, but he started the last one. So um, this is, I'll be really honest with you. This is a tough one, right? This is one of those ones where we know the answer, but we don't like the answer because it doesn't sit well with us. It would be a lot easier if you just put the tree there. Let's take it a step back even more. Wouldn't it have been a lot easier if you just didn't create Satan? The tree could be there, right? But if without Satan, who tempted Eve then? to eat the fruit who then tempted her husband. This is a tough one because we, we tend to look at it like, well, if God would have done this, we would have never done that. The truth is, number one, we don't know what we would have done or what Adam and Eve would have done had no tree been there, had no Satan been there. If you're looking at biblical history, odds are we would have sinned in just a different way. Just being real. Um, but the reason I tend to think that God allowed this to take place knowing all things. By the way, remember, before the foundations of the world, Christ knew that he would die on the cross. So the plan of salvation was already in place. Some of this we spoke about a couple of weeks ago. God has two wills. Remember this? The creative will and the will that we understand, the will that's revealed. This would fall under the creative will. And so sometimes we wrestle with this, but we really don't have... God saying, by the way, this is why I put the tree there. It's not spelled out for us. But we do have hints, I believe, that show us that God's desire was for us to make a choice. And we see that all through Scripture that God wants us to choose Him and to make a choice to submit to His authority, submit to His rule. He set forth these things and gave us an opportunity in a window to submit to His authority, gave Adam and Eve everything they ever needed, and said, just don't eat of that tree. And then He allowed them to be tempted knowing what would happen, yes, but still ultimately receiving them and showing them grace when they fell. So I would say, I don't know that we have a clear-cut, black-and-white specific answer. I think we have some hints at scripture that tell us that it goes back to God wanting us to choose him over the temptations of this world, the things of this world. And by the way, we have that same choice to make today. That's what Jesus preached in the gospels. What did he say to the rich young ruler? Get rid of your riches and follow me. Well, I love my riches, so I'm not following you. So, again, it's a choice that he made, okay? God knows what we're going to choose, but he still gives us the choice, okay? And that's a whole longer conversation we're not going to get too deep into. But,
1: Greg, did you want to add anything on that? Um, Just on the whole idea of him giving us that choice, him giving us the free will to make that choice. That, again, kind of going back to the question. Well, he he knew that that Adam and Eve would mess up, right? But he gave them that will. But think about if, if he didn't give him that choice and he didn't give us that free will and he was just always always in control, then us, like our relationship with him would not be based on love, right? Because if we're just following after him because he programmed us to only follow after him to never make a choice to go against him, that's not really love. And so as, as frustrating as this can be sometimes, I think that… It's way better than the alternative because then we're truly able to experience what it's like to be in that loving relationship with God, as opposed to just basically being like a program robot that just does, you know, whatever He wants us to do.
0: Yeah, and I would say that's one of the difference from Scripture. Uh, The angels don't understand redemption as we do. Uh, Why? Because they've not experienced redemption. We've been redeemed, and that is a part of the creation that, or part of His creation that we've experienced, uh, that we can praise Him and rejoice with Him in song and praise, that nothing else in creation can, because we've been redeemed fully in Christ. Okay. But if that's one that you have more questions on, whoever asked that question, uh, I'd love to talk more about that, because there is a lot more to that maybe than what we can talk about this morning. All right, next one.
1: Hmm, okay, I took the last one first. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I mean, again, it, it it's kind of, of too, yeah, it depends on who you're asking this question to, right? Yeah, yeah. There's, there's depending on who, who you're talking to and I guess what their, um, their basic core beliefs are. You're going to get different answers. Uh, as far as, um, if our, just my initial response to this question is kind of going back even to the him giving us the will and the choice. Um, and us, you know, being focused on on him spending time in his word and just being close with him. If if we just always get the, the answer of, of what he wants us to do, we always just hear it audibly, right? I think, now again, we are human, and so we will still, we can't say that we're always just going to be like, oh, that's clearly what he wants me to do. I'm going to do it. But I think if, if it's just always audible, then there's it, it kinda takes some of the faith out of it, um out of this situation, whereas you're not putting, you know, putting yourself out there in faith and trusting in what he says in his word. And it, you know, a lot of times I think when we are seeking God's will, like Pastor John preached a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about the chief kinds of of his will, um when we're seeking after his will, I think that's one of the times in our lives as it happens over and over again that we really grow closer to him and really trying to seek out what his will is for us. If, 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 we're always just hearing that his will, what he wants us to do, speaking to us audibly, um, then I think that, you know, we, we're maybe missing out on some of that. And as far as, you know, why does he not do that? Um, I mean, that that's, that's another one of those things that, you know, we, we, we don't fully know all the answers to that. We can't always explain why God does certain things the way that he does or why the Bible tells us that. Um, But really, I think the advantage of not having that audible voice from the Holy Spirit is that it helps grow and test our faith and help grow and strengthen our relationship with him as we're seeking out his will. And, you know, sometimes we we even learn the hard way, right? When we we feel that we know what his will is. And I think truthfully, if we're we're truly, you know, close with him and we're regularly in his word and spending time in prayer, um, I think a lot of times... We know what the spirit is telling us when he's telling us something. But I think a lot of times either we're afraid to do it. It's out of our comfort zone. We're like, there's no way that that can't be what he wants me to do because that, that doesn't line up with these plans that I have over here. Um, So I think a lot of times it's really so much that it's not an unclear message from the Holy Spirit. It's that we don't really like the message. Hmm. And so we try to be like, oh, I don't know if that's really what it is. If he would just say it audibly, then I'd be fine. Well, what do we do if he says it audibly and it's exactly what you thought it was the first time? Then we run out of excuses, right? Right. So, yeah. It'd still be rebellious yeah. even though you now know. Um, so, yeah, absolutely.
0: I would say one thing, too, is um, I, we do believe the Spirit moves in believers. We do believe the Spirit prompts believers um, not audibly in the sense of what we read in Scripture when he spoke to prophets and uh, the Apostle Paul, for example, when, when he spoke to him. Um, but remember, the Spirit of God speaking to individuals was not an everyday occurrence for every person who followed God either. Right? Like, that's why there was called prophets. Every Israelite didn't receive an audible message from the Holy Spirit in their life. Uh, many of them did not, actually. So God would choose selected prophets who would then speak the Word of God on behalf of the Holy Spirit, then then the people would follow. We have that today. Right? We have the completed word of God. A um, couple things real quick. Um, and again, I, I would say that I've talked to people who have said, well, I, I know the spirit spoke to me. I heard his voice. Um, I, don't, I don't argue that. I don't fight that. What I ask is, what did the spirit lead you in? What was the outcome? If it glorifies God, okay. Then, then I'm not going to say God can never do this. When we say God doesn't speak to us audibly, we mean normative. Okay, Can God do something that we don't understand at a time? Yes, he's God. But the normative way that God communicates to us is through his word. I don't need a human prophet to tell me what God's word says. I have the word of God and the spirit indwelling me. So he will make known to me. Um, he will illuminate my mind to the word of God. Um, a couple verses real quick to come to mind because we do have the word of God given to us by the Holy Spirit. Um, 2 Timothy 3 Uh, Sixteen. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. That inspiration means God breathed. The word breath there is the same word for the Holy Spirit. The breath of God is the Spirit of God. And therefore, the Spirit communicates the Word of God. And it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. If we have his word, we have all we need according to the Word of God. Um, Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 11, and he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors, teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So what do we need to become who God has called us to be? The word of God and those before us, pastor, teachers would be our understanding of this, who equip us with the word of God, perfecting us, equipping us, maturing us for the ministry. So I hope that's clear that the spirit of God does speak through his word not in an audible sense as the prophets and the apostles would have received. Some churches have apostles and prophets. Some denominations still use those terms. The concern I have with that is if a prophet humanly today says one thing and the word of God says another, who do we believe? We should go to his word and believe the word of God, but many people will go off of the human before them. And I've mentioned this a few weeks ago, so-called prophets that have made prophecies that come wrong every other prophecy, and they get one right vague prophecy, and we go, oh, it's from God. That's a false prophet. And I would argue and suggest the vast majority of so-called prophets and apostles today are not truly, when applied to scripture and held to these tests, they would not pass um, as actual prophets. And so that's what we mean when we say God does not speak audibly in the same way he spoke in the past. All right. I don't know how many more we have, but we'll keep going if we have more. Do we have more? Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, is that a new one? Yeah. Why is it so difficult to turn to the Lord first in times of trouble? What'd you say? No, that was a good answer. What'd you say? Because we're flesh. Okay. Cause we're flesh, right? Absolutely. Did you want to share on this one? I think... Oh, no, you started the last one, didn't you? Um, You can just take all of them from now on if you want. I can go sit down. Doing a pretty good job. Um, So I I would say because, humanly speaking, when we go through times of trouble, what do we want to do? We want to solve it. We want to find some tangible thing that can fix it. We want to touch the solution. We want to see it, right? Faith, as Greg alluded to a little while ago, uh, we can't see the Lord. We can't, again see him working in those situations. We can't see him stepping in and fixing it. So we have a hard time sometimes going to things like prayer because we feel like prayer is not effective. It's just me speaking. It's hitting the ceiling and coming back down. Um, and so I think, honestly, it's, it comes down to we, we want to walk by, faith, or by sight and not by faith. We want to walk in what we see and not trust in what we can't see, as Paul says in Corinthians. And so, again, when troubles come, as they all do, uh, Greg alluded to Peter walking on the waves. Trouble came, and he looked at the trouble instead of looking at the Lord. When our heart is fixed on the Lord, when troubles come, they still affect us, but we will be like the three Hebrews thrown in the fiery furnace that says, we'll never bow down to you, Nebuchadnezzar. We'll never bow down to your gods. Our God can spare us from this fire, but even if he doesn't spare us from this fire, we're still not going to bow down to these idols. That was their faith saying, yes, God could step in and remove me from this trouble, but even if, he's, if his will is to leave me in this trouble for his glory— I'm fine because God is with me in the fire, which we end up seeing actually happen there in the fiery furnace. We don't always see him in the fire, but we know
1: from God's word, he's with us in the fire. So what you said about not being able to see him, that's, that's kind of where my mind went as far as we can't see Christ or we can't see God when we're going to him in the times of trouble. You're welcome then. Well, see, that's, <laughs> you had the benefit of going first. In moment, so. But uh, th- right when you said it, I was like, it's going to sound like I'm copying it. But, <laughs> um, but think think about when we're facing times of trouble. Many times when we're doing that, when we're going through that, we feel like we're alone, right? That it's, it's just us going through this and feel, have that really lonely feeling. And when you're feeling alone, I think it's even more difficult to take that issue, take that problem to somebody that you can't physically see and because that, that doesn't – Address the the feeling of feeling alone. You know, it, it can be even easier sometimes to actually go to another person and express the same thing that you would to God um, about just explaining what you're going through than actually saying it to God because you, you can see that person right. Mm-hmm. You can actually interact and uh, and actually see their reactions and be like, am, am I crazy just thinking that this is really that difficult? Um, but again, it, it goes back to the idea of faith, right? We have to have faith, and again. When we see that trouble, that, that troubling thing, that troubling time, it seems so big to us. And it seems like the, the, like the most troubling thing that we've ever dealt with, that we're, we've ever faced. Um, but knowing that he knows exactly what we're going through, uh, even, even if we can't see him, right? It, we still have to take that, that step out in faith and, and really focus on him and, and trust that he's the one. Um, but again... Like what was already said, we, we get distracted. We, we have flesh. And, and because of that, we don't always make the right decision first. And many times that leads to maybe some more troubles because we don't go to him and we try to solve it ourselves. And we end up making it a way bigger issue than it ever was to begin with. Mm-hmm. Or we bring up new problems. Um, but it's, for me, when, when something like that happens, the biggest thing that helps me is reminding myself of troubling times in the past. Where when I was going through them, I had that same thought, like, this is the worst thing that could ever happen. Like, I don't know how I'm going to be able to get through this. And looking back, you can see how God got you through that. And now looking back at it, you're like, yeah, that was something that I really had a hard time with in that, t- that time of my life. But really, it wasn't, you know, as as daunting of an issue as I thought it was because God was with me there. And so that's something that's uh, really helpful for me is remembering What he's already done for me and and guided me through certain issues, certain troubles, looking at how he, in the Bible, all the instances where he's Mm. carried somebody else through uh, situations way worse than I've ever faced, right? Look at all the things that Paul dealt with, all the persecution, being beaten, being thrown in jail, shipwrecks, like, I would have quit week one if I was okay. Paul, right? Yeah. But he, he continued to have that faith. And so we can look at those examples. We can look at our own examples. Um, but it's really just about taking that, that minute to take a step back and not have the initial freak out and try and fix it ourselves, I think.
0: Mm-hmm. And I, w- I would just add, yeah, like the key is turn to the Lord first. That doesn't mean we don't turn to others. It just means we go to the Lord first. Then we look at our circle of influence and we start seeking godly counsel. We start looking for encouragement. Um, This is honestly one of the reasons why the church is so vital to the believer's life. Because James says, pray for one another. Well, I can't pray for one another if we don't know one another. If I don't know what you're going through, I can't pray for you like I'm supposed to. So that's why being in a local church body is so huge. Because we go to the Lord first, but then we, we go to each other. As we did this morning, lifting up others in prayer. All right.
1: As as we are living in the church, as the church is supposed to be encouraging each other, I think that we can and and we know each other that we can maybe recognize when somebody's going through a hard time. Mm -hmm. And when we're on the outside kind of looking in, um, we can have a little bit better perspective because we're not in that freak out mode. But along with that, it's important to understand that what that person is dealing with is, you know, big for them. So when you come to encourage them and say, you know, God's in control, turn to God, don't just be like, what, what's wrong with you? Why don't you just turn to God, All right? It's not that big of a deal. To them, it, it's a big deal. So when we come alongside each other, do it, do it in love. Uh, that reminded me of something else. Romans 12, um, great passage
0: on Christian conduct, but Romans twelve nine, uh, let love be without dissimulation, abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love. In honor, preferring one another. And then he goes on in verse twelve, or I'm sorry, in verse uh, fifteen. Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind, one towards another. So, what's the idea here? Romans is talking about. Paul's talking about. He's saying. If somebody in the church is rejoicing because they just got a raise, man, you rejoice with them. You're excited for them. You're happy for them. Uh, I mentioned we have a couple new expecting moms expecting some children here soon. Uh, we rejoice with that. We are so excited for them. But someone comes in going through a tragic time and has had the worst week of their life. We don't disregard that person and only focus on the positive. We say, no, equally, we rejoice with you, but we weep with you. And so that's the beauty, again, of that connection of helping each other through these difficult times. Uh, TJ, can you see the next question? If if it's a if it's one you think we can do in a couple of minutes, we'll go there. If it's not, then we'll probably just go to invitation. Are we good? Okay, cuz we're almost Wow. Um, didn't I ask him if it was an easy one to let me know oh, and like was, uh... So this <clears throat> hmm This is a question um, that when speaking to somebody about this, uh, what I would do, not in this format, obviously, because we can't really handle it the same way if it was one-on-one. The first thing I would do is I would spend some time in prayer with the person. Um, I would really seek the Lord's will in in our words. Um, I would pray for wisdom um, because this is something that uh, carries a lot with it. And I would not want to just casually or even flippantly uh, seemingly answer this question in a way that would be callous or harsh. Um, So if somebody was to ask you this question or have a conversation with you about this, uh, please don't just jump right to a quick answer. Um, Pray with them. Love on them. Uh, Maybe some tears are shared. Um, But I I would say quickly, and then I'll let Greg kind of wrap it up. Um, And you're welcome for that, by the way. I, I would say this question um, is very much tied to why God allows what God allows and when God's timing is. And um, yesterday, uh, we, we just experienced this in real life um, for, for the Thompson family. And uh, one of the things I shared there is the, the Bible is very clear. It's appointed unto man once to die after this the judgment. Uh, every single human being has an appointed time when they will leave this world. Uh, I don't know when that time is. You don't know when that time is. But there is a set time. You can't change it. You can't extend it. You can't shorten it. God is all-knowing, and he knows exactly when that moment will be. Why, then, are some people's time seemingly much sooner than others? We could give answers like, well, God is sparing that person from something down the road. Um, God is sparing the family from something. Um, God has these other desires. And, and and those are what I call kind of like momentary feel-good answers, but they're not really necessarily true in every case uh, because I don't know that. I can't say definitively that God is sparing someone from something greater down the road because they died now instead of later. I don't know that. Because then the question has arised, well, then why does God allow others to live and go through all of that? That doesn't seem very fair. So the answer is, I don't know. Uh, honestly, um, it's a tough. It's a tough one. It's a tough one.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. Basically. Yeah. I, I don't know either. I don't know either. Um, but uh, <clears throat> all right. Well, I, th- <laughs> <laughs> I think in, in that kind of situation, though, um, what what is really important is to um, try to find areas where you can gain comfort from. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is. Um, what are some things that we know, like, like John said, uh, it's appointed unto every man wants to die. And we know that God has his will. Um, our will is, you know, different from his many times. And one thing that you could maybe rejoice in is yes, it's, it's, it's a hard thing to go through. It it hurts, but knowing that, Whatever it is for whatever reason, because like you said, there could be many reasons. It's not always like every time God takes somebody in our mind too soon, it's always the same reason, right? I think there's a bunch of different reasons it could be. Um, but we, we can rejoice in the fact that God's will is being done and that we know that even through something like this, God can be glorified. Um, other areas where we can be comforted is if, is if we do know uh, or are confident in that the person who did pass— new Christ, we have, we have that hope, right? To be absent from the body is present with the Lord. Um, So again, as the answer to the actual question is, I don't know. And I don't know that we can fully know until, you know, we go to heaven and see God. Um, But in that difficult time, we can, we can find areas as we go to his word and, and look at the promises that he's made and gain comfort in that.
0: Amen. Yeah, we trust in him. Ultimately, his glory will be displayed. Um, I've always wondered why did Peter get set free from prison, but John the Baptist have to die. And Jesus was present on planet Earth when he allowed his um, cousin, somebody he loved. Uh, He says in Matthew that John the Baptist was the greatest prophet. um, And yet he had to die a martyr's death. And yet Peter, who constantly got it wrong... um, is set free from prison and doesn't suffer that way. Now we know he ends up martyred, but those are the questions we ask. And the answer is we just trust him that he is good. We cannot use our definition of fairness and apply it to God. God, Everything God does is right. Everything God does is good. Everything God does is holy. Everything God does is just. Because we don't understand implies we are the sinful ones with the wrong thinking and the wrong heart. And we don't get it because we're not infinite as God is. So we trust, God, you are always good even when I don't understand it. Um, I think we got one more we'll wrap up with and then we'll... Do you think Noah was nervous when he saw the two termites get on the ark? (laughs) The first thing Vic said, I did not submit that. I have a really good idea who submitted this. There's two thoughts that come to mind. I'm going to try to guess I think it was Rick Hogue that submitted this question. That sounds like a Rick Hogue kind of question. Yeah, he's, he's turned a little red. I don't know, maybe he didn't. But this is like on par with Rick's comments and jokes on Wednesday night. So, um, <laughs> I,
1: <laughs> Greg, what is the theological implications of that question? I'm just thinking of how I would have reacted. I would have said, do we really need to keep these? <laughs> uh, these can't be part of God's plan. Yeah. There's no way God can need this. Well, we are
0: going to, uh, to wrap up. And, and I want to, obviously, I want to thank Pastor Greg for joining me this morning and, and doing this with me. I know um, it's not an easy thing to do, so I appreciate him being willing to do this. Uh, but we are going to close this part of the service in prayer. We are still going to have an invitation. And so, um, what I want to do is, before we go to that, I, I do want to share uh, maybe you would come as far as an invitation this morning. Maybe you have questions that still aren't answered. Maybe you would come and pray, God, grow my faith. God, increase my, my trust and my love for you. And God, help me to look to you in all these things, whatever God might be doing. Let's just look to him. He is so good and he loves us so much. And, and the gospel that Jesus Christ died on the sinner's cross, was buried and rose again, can be applied to your life. If you would cry out to him, repent of your sins and trust in Christ, you can be saved. So when your time comes... And when that moment of passing comes for you, you don 't know when it 'll be, but you 're prepared because you trusted in Christ and you have a guarantee of eternal life let 's pray and we 'll move into invitation. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity that we have to spend time around your word to walk through some of these conversations, these questions uh, lord and, and i 'm only assuming that there 's probably more questions that were submitted that we didn 't get to and Lord, I know that the longer we journey with you, the more questions we seem to have and the more things we wander on, and Lord, I just thank you that no matter where we are in our walk with you, that we can trust you, that you're walking with us, you're leading the way. Lord, sometimes you don't lead as far ahead as we would like as far as revealing what's lying ahead. Sometimes we, we step into that season, and that's when you begin to show us what's what's going to take place. And and I know our human nature is to want to know more and want to plan and prepare. And sometimes Lord, we walk by faith and and we can't see those things rather Lord. We often don't see those things. And so when those seasons come, Lord, I pray that we'd continue to trust you. I know that some of these questions carry a lot with them. Lord, individuals here, or even those uh, Lord, maybe not even in the room right now because of this going through the app. Anyone who has our app can submit any question Uh, Lord, so maybe somebody not even in the service today, maybe somebody that's watching online uh, submitted a question. Lord, we just pray that you administer your grace and comfort to every one of them. Lord, for the ones that are struggling with the loss of loved ones or family members or friends, we just pray that you'd comfort them, that their hearts would not be troubled, but they would believe in you, knowing that you've given them a peace through the Spirit of God to comfort them. And thank you, Father, that peace passes all understanding. And so glorify your name now, Lord, as we desire to walk in faith with you, to grow in our faith, and to trust you more. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We just stand to your feet as we are led in a song of invitation? Would you maybe come and, and pray this morning there in your seats or here at the altar? Maybe you'd come and say, Lord, grow my faith in you and grow my faith in your word that I would trust you more today than I have before. Let's respond to whatever he's leading us in as we sing in worship.